0: The most interesting thing about carrying Cross is his girlfriend. Period. Yeah, yeah. That's it. You take huh? her away, and carrying Cross is bullshit.
1: I would only disagree Ooh. because I would say no. The most interesting thing about carrying Cross is that he's injured and had to vacate the
2: title. <laughs> ah! I hate you for that. That would be my number <laughs> one pick.
0: Everybody, I am Susie, today's takeover host, which is appropriate because we're doing Takeover 30. Mm-hmm. Yay! I have Ace, Joey, and Marlon here with me. Oh uh-huh. hi! Tony gets a week off so he can watch his AEW garbage all by himself. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna kick this week's episode off with the Bear With Us podcast, which is Corey Graves and Carmella. Matt and Leah, they use their real names on their podcast and they're giving us relationship advice. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with Carmela and Corey Graves, they homewreck each other's relationships and were dating each other for a pretty solid length of time, couple months before ending their relationships with their partners. Corey Graves's discretions are especially terrible because he was married and he has three kids. So you know what kind of trash he is. And he's <laughs> going to give us relationship <laughs> advice. It's fucking great. Their entrance music is brutal. Their advice <laughs> is awful. And this is another situation, and I brought this up when we brought up The Undertaker and Michelle McCool. When Michelle McCool home wrecked. Sarah and Mark's relationship she did Sarah a favor. Sarah is hopefully somewhere living a nice peaceful normal life with a nice peaceful normal dude that isn't fucking full of toxic masculine blue lives matter bullshit and I think that the same applies for Carmella and Corey Graves' ex-wife because Corey Graves sounds like a piece of shit his advice is shitty. His advice is more of a how to cheat on your current partner and have them comply. Like, and just go along with it. How to book for pieces of shit like himself. Joey, what did, what did you think of Corey Graves?
1: Well, the first positive, I will say, probably the only positive. I liked their theme song. So, Matt and Leah, Matt and Leah. Because it got stuck in my head for about a good two hours. You <laughs> beat it into your brain. I'm, I might have been singing it to my kids, but then to your point about Corey Graves' earlier transgressions, I was like, oh shit, I shouldn't sing this to my kids. But it does become problematic. My big thing is it just seems so dishonest because they don't go into the history of how they met. They don't go into prior relationships and cool, you're giving me relationship advice when you're not even in the honeymoon phase. You're in the, we just got together and are still physical stage. The people <laughs> that should be getting relationship advice are the ones that move on from that. Like, we just moved in together and we still like to get physical with each other. No, like that's, that can be anybody. I can date a porn star for as long as you two have been dating. I'll be physically attracted to them for so long. The problem is, once your personalities come out, then it the relationship becomes tougher. That's where you give relationship advice.
0: Yeah, exactly. They don't poop in the same room. They go down to the <laughs> hotel lobby. One of them does so they can poop separate. No. Okay. No. I don't. Yeah. Give. There's still some walls up there. I I don't give a fuck if I pay three hundred and twenty-five dollars a night plus tax to stay in a hotel room. I'm going to poop in the bathroom in the room that I paid for. I am not, especially in the morning in my pajamas and my slippers when I'm not even a human being yet. I'm still a goblin monster person. No, I'm not going downstairs and facing those people. No, I am doing my morning constitutional in my own room. Thank you. <laughs>
2: Usually if the door are like wide open, <laughs> like this is happening, we're making eye contact here. Hi. Would well, you like some coffee? The door, children.
0: the door in the hotel bathroom doesn't really do anything. It's it's a sliding door ninety percent of the time, and if you can't fucking deal with that, you shouldn't be in a hotel room with the other person.
2: Which is why, which is why it, this, I will say this podcast was fun to listen to. Objectively, <laughs> it's fun to get inadvertently a peek at their relationship through their advice for other people we get to hear what they do like crazy shit like this, pooping in separate floors in separate places in a hotel room and they don't think that's fucking weird for some reason. <laughs> so that's what they listen to it as like, yeah, no, you're the fucking weirdos, you don't see it yet, but I will watch this fucking train wreck, I will listen to this, but I can't tell if they're in on the joke or not, you know? I don't, I don't really care.
0: I don't think they are, because Carmela sounds upset <clears throat> Every time she finds out a new way that he makes distance, yeah, he she finds out that he goes upstairs and watches movies by himself when he's mad at her. She found that out live and in person, and you can tell by the tone in her voice
2: like, just like gen- genuine hurt every time he makes some like cutting remark at her.
0: And then she goes, <laughs> Babe, like that's not yeah. cute. Like, that's not if you have to check your man on a podcast that you're on him with. You two should not be on a podcast.
1: Oh, yes. The second episode really kicked me off because this is where I did get upset, where they opened the show where every every couple has talks about privacy. Aren't you always scared when your significant other grabs your phone? No, it's (laughs) called a fucking healthy
0: relationship. (laughs) Right? Like I, I. What
2: are you hiding? Oh, wait, we know what you're hiding. Uh, yeah, geez.
0: and it's like, I, I feel like Carmela is in the exact same position that his ex-wife used to be in, and she doesn't like being that person held at arm's length, probably for the sake of either an affair, or what I think really happened is they, him and Carmela had an affair, and once the physicality aspect of it wore off, like he brought up his libido not being great, because of quarantine, which is yeah. bullshit. Thought, what
2: episode one? He just brought that up. Yeah, yeah which kinda, is
0: which is there's a
2: bandaid right off there.
0: I, I'm, and I'm going to call bullshit. I don't think it had anything to do with quarantine. I think it had to do with he does not like her as a person, and he found that out the fucking <laughs> hard way. And now that all the let's go bang boots for six hours straight because that's what you know <laughs> we're going to do because that's the stage of the relationship we're in. Once that wore off, once he couldn't arise to the occasion, he saw her for her. And now he's just like, wow, this is shit. This is fucking shit. I lost my wife. I lost my kids. I lost my house. I lost fucking everything. And I got this crazy bitch. Awesome. Let's go fucking make a podcast.
2: This quarantine stuck them together to boot. And that's really the best part of this.
0: You made your bed lie in it. That's my advice for those two. You fucking wanted this, make the most of it.
2: That's that's the goal in this podcast, though. We get to watch, we get to listen to this period. And I kinda wanna tune in every week to see how much further this is degraded.
0: This brings back a point that I made on the Miz and Mrs. episode with Tony and Tina. If you make it too real, if you shatter the illusion that of happiness if if there's any fucking weaknesses being in the spotlight and being open with it that's gonna just make it bigger and more prominent and the relationship is gonna decay in real time i feel like jessica simpson and nick lachey's reality
1: show paul cody's family
0: it's all gonna go the same way It carmella and corey graves relationship is going to go the exact same way. We're going to watch it deteriorate in real time.
1: My only question to this is, did did Carmella cheat on Big Cass with Corey Graves? Yes, then? she
0: did. Yeah, That's what ended their relationship. They ended it a little more quietly than Corey Graves' wife did because she was the one who exposed their relationship, similar to Bray Wyatt's ex-wife exposing his relationship with JoJo.
2: On Instagram, I think. On
0: Instagram, yeah. They both went the Instagram route.
2: Photographs. With pictures
0: and screenshots and all this other stuff that they found. (laughs)
1: Death
0: Rollin. A a very, (laughs) very public falling out. Because that's how I found out they were in a relationship, was his wife's post. Because it was on my, like, suggested for you based on who you're following.
2: You might want to see this, ma'am.
0: Yeah, you're going to want to.
2: The person you're following is a cheat.
0: Yep. Surprise! Fucking another white guy from
2: WWE is a piece of shit. But he's a heel! Yeah, little <laughs> Seth Rollins in the corner talking. Little Seth Rollins talking. <laughs> How you doing, little Seth Rollins?
1: Five-star match, Dave Meltzer. <laughs>
2: You're right here, folks, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Oh, what a shit. So, I guess the end of this is, well, let's watch this fall apart, shall we? And be thankful that whatever the fuck those two have for advice, none of us need it because we're not immature cheats who don't know <laughs> what the fuck they're doing in their own relationship. I think, I think we all have it together at least a little bit.
2: What I want is for them to start taking calls from people who take their advice. Mostly so I want to have future calls where those same people call back and say, your, <laughs> your advice didn't fucking work, it fucking sucked. It made my relationship worse. Now there's six of these women. <laughs> to bring you all behind the scenes,
1: Susie was the one that wanted to cover this podcast. Yeah. But I did agree to it.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I was actually, I'm not surprised at the material that we got, not even a little bit, but I was expecting a little bit more. I was expecting them to be for as young as their relationship is, for as passionate as they are about each other, you know, at least sexually, that they would have, like, at least tones of affection in their voice for each other, and they don't. And that that only added to the, wow, you two should not be giving advice factor,
2: opinion. That and their physicality kind of ended the sex thing. Once the, once the sex is over, they kind of want to be in separate rooms. Away <laughs> away from each other.
0: That All right, sound... you did good.
2: Now, go, go away. Go, this is where sound... you go away now. Thank you.
0: Oh, I, that doesn't sound like a person I want to take advice
1: from. <laughs> That sounds terrible. Go clean yourself up. The money's on the table.
0: Uh, There's an image for you. But so moving on. NXT TakeOver 30. NXT TakeOver 30. I'm glad that this NXT was in the full sale arena. I thought that was a nice touch. I'm glad they were able to access it. I would have liked to have seen them do the Thunderdome thing for NXT30 I thought that would have been really cool instead of the plexiglass not currently working at this present moment roster in the audience Ace what did you think about the setup the layout the lights all of it how did you feel
3: I like the setup for NXT being different than the regular WWE programming always I've always enjoyed the of them doing it, doing things from full sale I, while I understand why they've why before the pandemic they had taken all of the takeovers away from full sale, I like that small intimate atmosphere that wholesale that full sale brings to NXT. I've also started getting used to the plexiglass, and it makes it it, to me it makes it feel like a hockey game, and I just Mm -hmm. like that aesthetic. It feels like a hockey
2: game. It feels kind of Fight clubby. It feels underground, and it adds to the feel of what do you call them farm teams? NXT is essentially the farm league for the main roster. So it feels like that. It feels dark and claustrophobic and here this is where these personalities are clashing and fighting for a spot on the main roster. They don't get to see an audience until they get through this barricade first and I, I dig that. Granted the audience is a bunch of TVs right now but you don't get to see those TVs until you get through Carry across Cross, motherfucker.
3: With the Thunderdome, I have been missing seeing Shotzi Blackheart in the crowd of every show she's not a part of rocking out to everyone's entrance.
2: Yes! She they should put her on a random screen every now and
3: then. Like her her and Rick Boogs just rocking out to entrance music behind the plexiglass.
0: <laughs> Shazi Blackheart can have fun all by herself. That's amazing. So our first match was Finn Balor and Timothy Thatcher. And Finn Balor, he wins this match. Now he has the most wins in NXT like out of everybody like he has the most wins in NXT at takeovers ever. Joey, how how did you feel about the outcome of this match and Finn Balor reasserting himself as the man to be?
1: So, a couple things. First off, I kind of disagree with all of you in that I would have liked to see Takeover at the Thunderdome just because audience reactions usually one of the better parts of NXT, but obviously they wouldn't be nearly as animated as having the wrestlers banging the plexiglass. I do understand. And like you all said, it does give it the more intimate feel as NXT should be. But going on to Finn Balor, I love that he set the record for most wins at TakeOver. I like that he's going on tonight to wrestle for the NXT title because of carrying Cross, which we'll get to later. The only thing I don't love is that Timothy Thatcher seems to have a little more ceiling than this. You could have put him in the latter match and then put Balor over, say, a Cameron Grimes, because Thatcher had just that beat you up mentality and did the little wrestling seminar promos that he would do where he'd show you how to hurt people and i think there's there is some power in that i think that has the future and to have him take the loss to Valley while it's not going to really damage him in any way i think it does lose a little bit of momentum but nonetheless if you're losing to the prince of nxt the face of nxt who i honestly do think should win tonight That shouldn't damage you too much, but I think they missed out on a chance to really make Timothy Thatcher a real player in NXT.
3: The only thing I did not like about that match, because I love Finn Balor, I love Timothy Thatcher. Timothy Thatcher is a more vicious version of Zack Sabre Jr. from Mm -hmm. from New Japan. Is the fact that Thatcher spent that entire match working over Finn's knee. And then at the end of the match, Finn is just able to pop right up to the turnbuckle and jump and use his legs like nothing is hurt, like nothing's been hurting them for the for the entire match.
2: Yeah, They just kinda no soul the crap out of it. I'm not a fan of that as a trope in the WWE. I feel like Finn Balor could have absorbed this loss. He could have taken this loss and he could have done like a best out of three series between the two of them, and that could have been pretty awesome. If they still go that route, then great. But yeah, Timothy Thatcher eating this loss. I I feel like it hurts him a tad.
0: I agree, but I think the flip side of that is now that the the brozer weights are no longer like a thing. I would like to see Pete Dunne and Timothy Thatcher come together and be like a tag team, like a strong style joint manipulation. We're here to fucking hurt you, tag team. And I think those two together would be unstoppable. I really do.
2: If not a tag team, then at least opponents for for a good long bit. A nice best out of seven series, Sheamus, Cesaro, the bar recreation. I would watch them against brizango who, by the way,
1: everybody on my team and NXT tag team champion. Right, I, I'm so
0: glad. I listen, they I Imperium is on my roster. I love that Breezango won those titles. Those two, they have worked. They have worked and worked. They both put on Instagram how long they have been in the WWE. Fandango, 6,000-something days. Tyler Breeze, almost as many. And that's that's a long time to wait for your first title. That is Patience is a Virtue personified.
3: And then after the after the events of Payback... Tyler Breeze is now the only person in WWE to hold two belts with his Up, Up, Down, Down championship.
2: Congratulations, Tyler Breeze, playing the, the
3: long what? game. <laughs> what game did he win it for? I don't even remember exactly at this point. because I, 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 t- I only tune into Up, Up, Down, Down every so often just because I, I follow too many video game channels to watch all of those long videos all the time. sometime last week, he pulled a stunt on there where he had the up-up-down-down title, picked up a a bin of dog toys, dropped the belt in the dog toys, and pulled out a new belt that said left-right, left-right.
0: I I knew of his up-up-down-down victory through Instagram. I follow him on Instagram, and he took a a picture of himself with the tag title and the up-up-down-down title, and he goes... Two belts, breeze or breezy, breeze angle belts or something to that effect. And breezy I, two belts. Yeah, it was great. And I was like, "That's really sweet. He deserves it. He's a good, he's a good kid." I say about hey, even internet was...
2: titles count. Look at Zack Ryder. He's doing great over there in what TNA, EW land. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> What is the WCW Nitro. Nitro, I love Nitro. <laughs> oh, I don't know why that got me, but that got me.
0: And then our next match for, for NXT TakeOver thirty, you have the North American Championship where Damian Priest defeats Cameron Grimes, Johnny Gargano,
2: keep going, You're just gonna be team
0: dream and Bronson Reed.
2: All right. So I
0: I have two things to say about this match. One, Candice LeRae is a goddess and nobody deserves her, including Johnny Gargano. And two, Velveteen Dream slid into the DMs of a 15-year-old. And WWE ignored it. They didn't interview this person. They didn't even try. They made no efforts. Velveteen Dream was off TV for a while and his first time back, he is in A championship match for the North American title. And his promo to announce that he's in this match is talking about second chances. Now, if you don't know that he's a pig pedophile person, that just sounds inspirational. But if you know what he's talking about having a second chance for, it's disturbing. And then he does this Scott Steiner provocative entrance as this sex idol.
2: Night, sex night.
0: Risque, as himself, pretty much. And like it never happened. And that bothers me. That bothers me so much. It's pretty much saying we will protect male talent at all costs, we don't care we're going to ignore it. We're not going to do anything about it. He's not going to have to issue a public apology. He's not going to have to explain himself. He's not going to lose his position in the company, let alone his job. Nothing changed. Nothing. It's like it didn't happen. And that's upsetting to me. It's incredibly upsetting. And then for him to have the number of spots that he did where he pretty much clears the ring of just about everybody. Including himself. Including himself. And having, you know, that big bump, he took up a lot of big spots that he didn't deserve. He took up space in a match that he had no right to be in. And the fact that it's just okay with the people who made that decision bothers me. But e- the match, everybody can agree to disagree. Damian Priest winning this match against Johnny Gargano upsets me. That also upsets me. <laughs> I, you bring out Candace LeRae who does these two great spots: old school into the yeah. Hurricane Rana, and then incredible. the Yoda backpack belly flop on Bronson Reed's back on top of Johnny Gargano. She comes out to help him, and he still loses. I feel like that delegitimized him as a wrestler a little bit, and the fact. But it makes
2: them cartoon villains a little bit more. They're a little bit Saturday morning cartoon. I'll get you next time, Power Rangers.
3: I think if it had been a standard singles match, it would have delegitimized them a little bit as a team. But the fact that it was a five-person ladder match, I think that's, that helps them save some face.
2: I feel like the more people there are in a match, the more protected your character is. Like, hey, I didn't technically lose this match, so I'm in the clear. Gorgano technically didn't lose this match, so he's good. Yeah.
3: It's not like she tried to help him and then Bronson reed pinned him immediately after she tried to help. Oh, he he may have crushed everything about hell. it and hurt his and probably wreaked hell on his own knees with that drought.
0: Yeah, that looked like it hurt <laughs> everybody involved, including her.
3: Well,
2: let's not forget that crazy ass power bomb he did to Cameron Grimes. Like had kind to of miss the ladder, but got his head and shoulder somehow. Just the one side, just enough to just damage him.
0: And then Cameron Grimes had to get up and pretend like that didn't hurt. Like you could see the pain on his face, and that was
3: gonna me a lot of moonshine. I will say, Cameron Grimes took so much pun. Just like I never everything, I didn't think he was ever going to win that match, but he was there to make every to bump for everybody else and make them look really good. And I think he you- succeeded with it.
0: You can tell he was trained at the Hardy School of Wrestling. He was trained by Matt and Jeff Hardy, and it shows in his ability to just fucking kill himself. And for the sake of a spot, like that mm-hmm. man is a punishment sponge.
2: Yeah, and that's kind of what I love about him is that Matt and Jeff, their personalities, kind of that of a wet sponge. This guy <laughs> has charisma coming out the wazoo, uh, and he could take crazy bumps. He is going to the moon, and I kind of hate him for it. He's I, fucking right.
3: He pulled a few months ago on NXT. He pulled my favorite heel move that I have seen from anybody. Uh, where he got punched in the mouth by Damien Priest and then tried to say that his jaw was hurt so he couldn't have his match with Damien Priest later and then got caught talking about how he was faking the injury in front of some, <laughs> in front of William Regal on a video call. Like That sequence of events is one of my favorite things about wrestling.
2: I think Just... Speaking of cartoon Saturday morning supervillains, here's Cameron Grimes <laughs> with Muttley, I guess. Joey. I do
1: agree with you, Marlin. that a lot of it came off as the five of them did come off somewhat overly cartoony, but some of that is good. I hate Cameron Grimes's woos where, <laughs> where he gets up and revs himself up, but you're right. He's a bump machine, and he's a heel. I'm supposed to be annoyed by him, and there is no doubt that Candice LeRae was the star of this match. I mean, that <laughs> spot with, on, on Bronson Reed's back is the most memorable spot of the night. But she does make Johnny Gargano better. She really does. Jim Cornette calls Johnny Gargano Johnny Same Face because he thinks he lacks the expression. But I disagree. An example, right after the Hurricane Rana where Candice Lurie took out Grimes, then Johnny Gargano gets this big look on his face like a hungry dog all excited because he's going to pick up the ladder and win the match. She makes him better.
0: She does. It's another It's another instance. It's less so because he is more interesting than Karrion Cross. but it's another instance of the most interesting thing about Johnny Gargano is Candice LeRae. The only difference between Johnny Gargano and Karrion Cross, when you boil it down is he leans into it. He knows that the most interesting thing about him is his wife that he used to wrestle in the Indies that can take a bump or two, or even three, by a dude as big as Bronson Reed. I don't want to be on that dude's back and do a belly flop. That is fucking scary. I want nothing to do with that. And she just does it like it's nothing. Like that is, that's.
2: Yeah, trust him.
0: That's insane. That is so fucking cool. And it reminds me of China when China competed with men, you know, in the Royal Rumble. and Ooh, then, Like Mark Henry. And then for the Intercontinental title. It brings back that. You know, women are tough, not just against other women, but also against dudes. Cameron Grimes swung on her, and she said, fuck you, and whooped him.
1: <laughs> that was right. I forgot that. <laughs> she oh said, God. who
0: the fuck are you, and whooped him. She smacked him so hard. It was great. It was beautiful. It was the, That was another big, you know, spot for me. Like, the best part of this match was everything she did. Taking the ladder apart and just putting it away. Like, no, fuck you. You can't have it. If you can't have it, nobody can have it. I'm not going to touch you. I'm just going to get in your way. And then he tries to hit her and she goes, nope. Mm-mm. See, I tried to be nice. I tried to be nice to you and you took advantage of that. So now I'm going to kick your ass.
1: Do we like the belt on Damien Priest? I like him celebrating at the end. Because it means that, like, he's very happy that he won this belt. It gives credibility to the belt. But do we like Damien Priest as the North American champion?
3: No, uh, I do. No, I have liked Damien Priest since he was in Ring of Honor as Punishment Martinez, which I will oh, argue what? is a much better, or oh. is a better name than, than Damien Priest. I think of those of the people in that match, he was the best person to put that on because he has had enough of a shine. In, on NXT to prove that he is legitimate to be there, while also not not being ready for for the main title yet. He's a good mid-card guy for NXT right now. I'm, I'm mad that I agree with
2: you. I agree with you so much, mostly because this is not how I want Cameron Grimes to win it. I want Cameron Grimes to beat the shit out of Damian Priest and take it off of him in a singles match. That's what they're setting this up for, and that's where I hope this goes. I want Cameron Grimes as their new North American champ, and I want it to be uh. over Damian Priest, dead body.
0: So is Damian Priest a placeholder champion then?
2: Yeah, fuck him. You're a stupid-ass character if you're a dumb ass tattoo. What even is that? It's like some kind of meat bone thing on his back. I'm focused on that most of the match.
0: His entrance for NXT TakeOver 30 was douchey particularly douchey. He, he just his face in the two outer X's and then him under the spotlight in the center X with his stupid archer I'm gonna, you know, put my name on the Titantron and fire fucking bullshit. His entrance, rem-
3: his entrance reminded me of Baron Corbin's old NXT entrance, where there would be like f- <laughs> there would be like four spotlights lined up. Like you'd see him in the first one, the lights would cut out, then he would like come back up and he's in the second one, lights would oh go god, out.
2: Oh my about that. <laughs> Who's gonna be in the third spotlight? Oh my god, it's Baron again.
3: <laughs>
1: Damien Priest in the first place reminds everybody of Baron Corbin. I mean, not. This isn't a knock. I think Corbin has gone farther on the main roster than anyone thinks he should. I think he's gotten the most out of his talent, and I think he does a good job. But Damian Priest, like Corbin, is a big guy. But I see the same person when I look at both of them.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, kind that's, of Tan Corbin. It's that's who he reminds me of. Kind of this big, tall. I know big words, so that means you should take me seriously, guy. That doesn't make you special. You know big words. Mm -hmm. Fucking congratulations. Anybody with a bachelor's in English knows the same fucking words. You are not special. You are not special, and you are not interesting. Placeholder champion. I would have rather seen anybody else in this match win this, with the exception of Velveteen Dream, as per my previous rant. Bronson Reed dressed as Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah. I love that.
1: That want to see I, Booker's hat. I want to see Damian Priest against Baron Corbin just to prove they are different people, so they can so be in could, the same. I, I mean,
3: yeah, yeah, At least Priest doesn't have the like I used to be a big fat man NFL lineman belly that that Corbin has. All
2: right, so we all hate Damian Priest. We're well, all Punishment Priest. He was so close to having a cool name. Punishment Priest. It's right there.
0: And I think an asshole. I think Joey is the most upset about the outcome of the next match. Adam Cole defeats Pat McAfee. Fuck Pat McAfee. (laughs) He has no business being here. He's just another round of Razzie to take his five minutes of fame and have that be that. He is not interesting. He is not special. He does not have longevity. It's just a bunch of... Bullshit. And he, like Ronda Rousey, took up space in a match, in a big match, that could have been used for somebody else. Anybody else besides Pat McAfee.
3: I would argue, though, with Dexter Loomis injured, who else on the NXT roster would you put against Adam Cole right now? He's faced every. He's faced everybody except for Finn Balor, and they need to save that for some sort for a title or something else.
2: Don't remind me that I replaced Dexter Loomis. I was so hyped for that guy. My favorites keep getting injured, left and fucking right, and it is not cool. The wrestling universe has it in for me and my picks, and fuck you, wrestling universe. Fuck you <laughs> a little bit, right in the heart. You jerk took out Loomis and Karrion Kross. Cross. You, you jerks, you jerks, right there. But anyway, back to this I, match.
0: I I mean, pick one of the guys from the five-man ladder match. Literally any one of them. Again, except for Velveteen Dream. I'm just gonna pretend he doesn't exist. It it's just upsetting. It's uh, his presence is upsetting. Yes, he is athletic. Yes, he is very talented. Yes, he is a walking, talking. Renaissance man. He is a mouthpiece and he's physically fit and he's capable and he's flippy. Fucking congratulations. That does We're not. No, Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee.
2: Okay. That does not
0: <laughs> make you special. That doesn't make you special. Like, I don't give a fuck. You don't get to just show up, get what you want, take your 15 minutes of fame, and then when the pressure is too great for you, you can't perform and you leave. Ronda Rousey ruined the women's division with her presence, and Pat McAfee ruined this match with his presence.
2: You said "cat" before I was wondering if you're talking about Corey Graves again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the only difference between Ronda Rousey and Pat McAfee is Pat McAfee can talk. That's that's the only difference.
2: I like it more. Yo, know, you missed this because you missed WCW in its prime. David Arquette as WCW heavyweight champion, a reign that lasted months. I see McAfee as the second coming of Arquette and we might have a new NXT champion. So let
0: me get this straight. You want to repeat a gimmick that yes. was done by a wrestling organization that uh-huh. went out of business because they were stupid. Absolutely. That's not a good move, sir. That's I, dumb. I don't see
2: why not. That's dumb.
0: That's dumb.
2: So, agree to disagree. Joey,
0: <laughs> your thoughts.
2: All right, I'm going to wipe the tears
1: away from my eye based on that because there's a lot to be said there that made me cry.
3: (laughs) He put on a
2: great show, though. He performed really well. I can't tell if it was just editing or his athleticism or what, but he was a dude that I loved to hate. His mouth just kept running.
1: Quick tidbits to start. Velveteen Dream, Patrick on Tough Enough was, for all transparency, my favorite of all the cast that was on there. So I'm willing to let the investigation happen, but I will definitely put out front. Not a good look for either him or WWE. Certainly, are, to
3: be sure. Are you telling? In a little me- more patience
1: would have benefited WWE. I think on that.
3: Are you telling me you didn't like the alligator hunter from that season of Zizi or whatever his name was? You mean Fat Cameron Grimes? We'll just call him Fat Cameron Grimes.
2: Sorry.
1: No, that's mean because Cameron Grimes can wrestle. <laughs>
2: right. He really can. He's
1: it more like creating. he's more like Otis. He's alligator Otis.
3: That's what he was. Better that's
2: yet, fair.
3: that's fair. I mean, but, and at least Otis has some charisma about him.
1: <laughs> almost
3: too much charisma, one might say.
2: Uzi and then his pores.
1: Going to David Arquette. I'm really interested to see this documentary about David Arquette and what it's been like for him as a wrestling fan, because he is this symbol of the downfall of WCW.
0: (laughs) Although,
1: although that merger is probably what did them in on the business end because AOL wanted nothing to do with WCW, but yes, putting up content like the David Arquette stuff or other things that Vince Russo put on TV certainly didn't help or Eric Bischoff, even for that matter. Let's put the blame where it belongs. Now, the McAfee is money. Pat, Pat money. Motherfucking McAfee. <laughs> he gives you mainstream. He has one of the most popular podcasts for sports in, in the entire sports world. He gives you instant credibility. He has ESPN that you automatically get as a platform. Him and Adam Cole have been working on this story for months. They've been at each other's throats through early interviews up to, I mean, even six months ago where Adam Cole's making fun of him because, yeah, Pat McAfee's the punter. He was the punter in the NFL. Pat McAfee was a tremendous athlete. That flat jump to the top rope without help and being able to balance yourself on an unstable surface like that was absolutely amazing the way they told the story in the match where they had security and the undisputed era and the NFL players. And McAfee comes out of nowhere because you don't expect it. You just think they're breaking up a fight. And then Pat McAfee does the flip to showcase himself. Mm. Outstanding. The way he was able to bump and still tell, still just be a heel throughout the match. Honestly, probably the worst thing about all this is that Adam Cole that shows you maybe should be a face. Maybe the Undisputed Era should be faces for the fact that they are smaller guys. So if they do go up to the main roster, it looks like they're underdogs. And what better than a small underdog like Daniel Bryan Are now Adam Cole? My only Yeah, exactly. My only gripe about the whole match is that I think it should have ended with the last shot instead of the Panama Sunrise. But Pat McAfee sold that incredibly well. He can still come back and do other spots. But in the meantime, what he does is he gives you mainstream appeal. The people tuning into his show will turn on takeover or will see that he's wrestled in the past. So the next time he will come back because he loves WWE. He trained not in the performance center, but he trained, I believe, with Rip Rogers in Indianapolis, who is a pretty big name trainer. So he (laughs) loves the product. He wants to be there. I don't think Ronda Rousey was just given the spotlight too fast and nobody really worked with her on her promo just because the president gave them credibility, which it did. She was dominant face of really UFC, but yes, her promo ability was bad. I don't think she brought down the entire division. I will disagree with that, but there was more that could have been done with her, and certainly her shitting on WWE and their fans afterwards does not help. I don't think you'll get that with Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee will talk everybody into the room. Pat McAfee did for TakeOver, like it or not, what Lawrence Taylor did for WrestleMania 11.
0: Well, what if what if he does do what Ronda Rousey did and decide that it's a shit product and it's shit and all of what he brings in... He takes with him, plus the new fans that he makes. That's another risk that you have to take. When Ronda Rousey left WWE, her fans left with her. The people who started watching WWE for her stopped watching when she wasn't around. Pat McAfee, it's going to be the same thing. And him being a bigger star than her and having so much... You know, so many irons in the fire and having so much draw as a football player and as a podcast host and as an ESPN correspondent. Having all of those audiences come into something, him get sick of it, him turn his back on it and leave, then what? You know? It's Mr. T against
3: Rowdy Rowdy Piper.
0: Thank you. It's (laughs) Mr. T wanted to come in. We were watching the table for three with Mean Gene Okerlund, Piper, and Paul Orndorff. And Mr. T wanted to come in, get whatever he wanted, beat the shit out of Piper, and and have that be that. And he's like, you don't get to come into my house and tell me what to do. And everybody that has done it before Pat McAfee has come in, done what they wanted, gotten sick of it, left and took their fans with them. Pat McAfee's no different. He's just the flavor of the month. He just happens to be more athletic and more interesting than everybody else. That doesn't, that's not enough.
1: I don't think WWE is going to keep him around for a year like they did Ronda Rousey. And I think they've maybe learned lessons from Ronda Rousey where they'll still, if they use him, use him sparingly. I think he would still mostly be, you know, the sideline pregame our pre show host. I think he would be more of that. Because I mean he has eight other jobs. He does the NFL stuff on ESPN. He does his podcast. And he even occasionally shows up, I believe CBS or Fox, one of the two, because I
3: mean he's still an NFL like, a game broadcast. He's he's so, angling he, for he's trying to angle for an XFL job from the rocks. So
1: they told such a great story. The only problem with this match, really, all in all, outside of I didn't love the finish, but I can I still love the finish, but I didn't, I think they could have done better. But the commentary was to Vic Joseph, tell the story. Pat McAfee <clears throat> kicks the steel chair, so his leg is hurt. So he maybe can't get all of the punt when he punts Adam Cole. Tell that story about while well, he's still got the hurt leg. So Pat McAfee could have sold his leg a little more at the end, also. But I think that's more on the commentary than before. I even love the build-up. The build-up where it looks like he's not supposed to be there. Cause when he originally punts Matt or punts Adam Cole, put Triple H pushes the shit out of him. Like, what the fuck are you doing? That's <laughs> a great. Storytelling, everything. The build-up was great, the match was great, and If I get more Pat McAfee, fantastic. If I don't, hey, you went out on a high note. And honestly, I don't think there's going to be much more Pat McAfee. I think storyline. Because who else would he wrestle? To answer uh, the question earlier, I mean, maybe Adam Cole could have had a match with Tommaso Ciampa because he didn't beat him necessarily clean. He beat him because of Gargano, so you could have a rematch there. Because Ciampa's not hurt. Ciampa's still around. But Pat McAfee was such a better story, and they had, I think, a better match than a Champa cole rematch would get you for what you were expecting.
2: And I absolutely agree. I believe this was totally a match made by the storytelling, and I can't tell if this was because of McAfee's talent or because of the COVID-era wrestling, meaning we can now edit our matches afterwards. So I can't tell if they just have a really good editor or if Pat McAfee's really talented, or if it's this magical combination of both. But WWE does more with a match with a complete stranger than... I'm sorry Tony's not here for this, but I'm shitting on AEW again. AEW can't seem to get their shit together storytelling on a weekly wrestling program with professionals who did this for decades. And here comes this guy who's like, yep, I've never wrestled before, but I guess I could do it. And he puts on, like, what, the match of the fucking night? storytelling is absolutely more important than talent if you could put on a good story if you could make me hate you if you could make me love you that's when you have a good show Roddy Piper knew this in the 80s he couldn't wrestle for shit Roddy Piper can't wrestle for shit I will argue this to my grave but that dude could talk a mean game and I hate him the moment a match starts and he starts slapping some other guy in the face or spitting or talking like an asshole and I loved him because I hate him. I hated him so much. I love to hate him. He's one of my all-time favorites. And there's Pat McAfee being possessed by the ghost of Roddy Piper being a goddamn <laughs> dick in this match. And you had me cheering for Adam Cole, King Dick, for like the past two years. Good job, McAfee. Good job. I hope they bring him back. And I want him to fight someone with a calm demeanor like Keith Lee. Someone who we don't want to see flip out. I want to see McAfee just like egg him on put his face in the audience and all the screens or some shit. Do some wild shit of McAfee and make him crazy annoying. Make him out Miz the Miz. And just take a beating. That would actually be good because he could probably really get... I I think
1: Keith Lee, at least in the beginning of his debut, but this is maybe a talk for later, but I mean Keith Lee can show a little bit more persona, get a little bit more animated. He's kind of like... Kind of reminded me a bit of Luchasaurus, like a guy that's big, but if you just got a little more seriousness out of you or a little more intimidation out of you, I think that, and I think Pat McAfee could really bring that out of him. Plus, Pat McAfee would just sit there and take a beating.
2: Yeah, he could do that so freaking well. That dude sells crazy good. Like that one, what was it? The freaking, what's a Credito cool finisher? The backstabber? There's yeah. one backstabber moment where he floats into the air and takes both knees in the spine. And I felt kind of bad for him a little bit, but vindicated because McAfee took it. So fuck him. Fuck him. I hope his back hurt afterwards.
1: See, Susie, Marlon likes Pat McAfee. You know why? Because he's not an AEW leg slapper. No super <laughs> kick <from> Pat McAfee. <laughs> I fucking hate
0: uh, Super Kick Party. I hate Super Kick Party and I hate the Young Bucks.
2: You uh, young leg slappers. Uh, little shits.
3: I will say, too, Pat McAfee appeared on the Wednesday after the takeover on Corey Graves After the Bell podcast. And the way he speaks, he is able to he was able to put over just how good of a wrestler Adam Cole was while still being just an absolute dick about it like he like he comes off as like he gen, as genuinely a being a genuinely loving adam cole's ability in the ring while also making it also seeming to just hate everything about adam cole. And I think that's the type of like you need that type of person talking to make stories to make stories great sometimes. Put the
2: 24/7 title on that guy. Have him take that shit on oh. the road. No!
0: No! <laughs> no! Have him do no. Let...
3: R-Truth for some
2: shit. Just piss him off.
3: Just through, throughout the NFL season, every, every city that McAfee pops up in, R-Truth also pops up there. Oh. Just have
2: him fight in different locations. Like, every SmackDown is just a new location of R-Truth fighting McAfee. Like a Denny's, or a Buffalo Wild Wings, or a parking lot, or a Toys R Us Ferris wheel. And watch! And watch, the, like, different landmarks. Fight in the Grand Canyon. Literal rumble in the jungle. Take him down to South Africa or something.
0: Fuck Pat McAfee. Just,
2: just do like <laughs> a giant,
3: and Now I just have this image in my head of Pat McAfee and R Truth just in this amazing like chase throughout across the country. Like R- tr- Chicken
2: and Peter Griffin.
3: Like R- R-Truth pin- R- truth pins Pat McAfee and then hops in a hot air balloon that's pretty conveniently nearby. And then Pat McAfee hops in a second hot air balloon that is also conveniently nearby, just flying through the sky after each other. We don't he- we don't hear anything else from them until next week. We we see that we see both hot air balloons have landed. McAfee's is- McAfee pins R-Truth and then he hops in a go-kart just going down the highway. So-
0: Fucking this <laughs> so turn so turn the twenty four seven title into the amazing race.
2: Yeah. Yes.
3: <laughs> Where are we? We're in China. We're in China now. I mean, just like I, I love the 24-7 title on Raw. It makes me <laughs> laugh so much. Even like last night, like last night's Monday Night Raw, when Akira Tzawa was trying to get in somewhere and he's like, hi, I'm Akira Tozawa. These are my ninjas. And then the ninjas just kind of stick their head up to prove that they are ninjas.
2: Oh, God. <laughs> I love what wrestling and, has become. They have become desperate. And, I, I, <laughs> and it is working.
3: I think part Speaking. of my love for it is, our, is just my love of our truth and everything that he says and does.
0: I, it, have you watched his rap videos on YouTube?
3: I've watched a few of them. I love his I, Little Jimmy song. <laughs> just the video for that.
0: his, His southern, like, militant rap videos that he has are so good. You can smell the Atlanta, like, roots in his music. It's amazing.
2: Yeah, he is very imaginative. Like, he is a very talented dude, and they are sleeping on him, even in creative. Like, even if you can't do anything with him in the ring, put him in creative, and he will shoot that show to the moon. Like, make him a manager
3: for the New Day. Or something that's gold. He, he did have my line of the night from Payback, of I don't want to see. I, I I'm voting for Apollo Cruz to win because I fought Lashley a couple weeks ago and he put me in Nelson from The Simpsons.
2: That's right, he did. He did.
3: Just that line made me laugh harder than I've laughed in a couple weeks.
2: <laughs> See, every now and then, I like to pretend there's actual blind people w- watching wrestling, and just they don't get any context, so they just kind of listen, and they just hear lines like that, and it's like, wait, what? What did I miss? <laughs> he put him in a child, and if you take wrestling literally like that, our truth is the greatest thing to happen to wrestling.
0: Speaking <laughs> of the greatest thing to happen to wrestling, Io Shirai defeats Dakota Kai. For the NXT Women's Champion, she retains her title. I loved the way this match went. I love that Dakota Kai lost. And I love Mm. at the end, there is a showdown between the two biggest, broodiest, scariest women that I have ever seen in my life.
2: Amazon fight.
0: Raquel Gonzalez looking like Wonder Woman and Rhea Ripley looking like a manic pixie nightmare reasserting rhea ripley reasserting herself in the title picture as kind of like yeah i'm here to help eo shirai not get her ass kicked but that's because i can kick your ass and i can also kick her ass and then eo shirai is just kind of standing there like holding her title like yeah i won like it doesn't really matter but i won
2: i feel like that was a sign that eo shirai's days are numbered like she fighting all oh, these the little tiny flippy chicks I don't think she's really had to fight a giant yet. Now you have Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez, just kind of like they're they're potential threats, just kind of standing in the ring and twice her size. They could potentially wreck her, especially if you put it in like a three-way match where she has to fight, where she has to fight both of these ladies. Then yeah, I, I I'm very much looking forward to the future of of nxt women's division especially if you consider the possible fit of dakota kai and raquel gonzalez it's
0: i feel like they hinted at that with all of the promos eo shirai was cutting about how you know she uses people she gets what she wants from them the most interesting thing about dakota kai is that she stabbed her best friend in the back and, you know, does that feud go go both ways? Is the most interesting thing about Dakota Kai, the fact that she's a backstabber? I don't think so. I think she's an interesting character. Is kind of like the fuck you, I don't need anybody. But I'm going to use you to my advantage. Kind of that heel mentality. It's been done in the men's division a lot. I don't remember the last time it was done in the women's division successfully without... Fat phobia, sexism, or other Vince McMahon ideas of women's wrestling that are just sexist garbage bullshit. So I'm enjoying it. I, I love it. I love that Io Shirai won, but it did feel like, enjoy it. It's not going to last long.
2: In terms of story, I feel like the women's division has – they're the best thing going. I look forward to them more than anything else on NXT. Next to Pat McAfee's match, this was – this, this had the best story, and it was, it was Pat McAfee, the North American Championship, but that was a clusterfuck of personalities, and Dakota Kai versus Io Shirai, and that was more story-based. I think the best characters are in the women's division, and I cannot wait to see how Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gun- Gonzalez fit in the mix.
0: Joey, yeah. your thoughts?
2: I
1: agree with what Marlon just said. Dakota Kai, for one, I love the story, of Io Shirai ragging on Dakota Kai, oh, you were scared of Shayna Baszler, you were just this little girl, and then you became the one that stabbed your friend in the back. That shows her character evolution. Dakota Kai has become the best heel, not just on the women's roster in NXT, she's become the best heel in NXT. I would put her ahead of Karrion Cross. I would put her ahead of Adam Cole just because we don't know what Adam Cole is right now based on the McAfee match. And I would put her ahead because I would put her ahead of Thatcher because Thatcher, I mean, kind of lost a little bit of momentum from Balor. Dakota Kai is the best heel in NXT. This match was good for what it was. I can easily watch it. I think the bad, I think the Raquel Gonzalez-Rhea Ripley showdown overshadows the actual title. So it makes you believe that their feud is worth more than the title. So it does make Io Shirai seem like a transitional champion.
0: Which is scary considering how long she's held that title and how many people she's beaten to retain it.
1: But I mean, I love that they're telling a different story, but that doesn't seem to have been told much in the women's division. I, I said earlier, I like that. Nia Jackson, and Shayna Baszler are now the women's tag team champions after payback doing the odd couple pairing for the tag belts. It's done been done to death on the men's side, but never on the women's side. So I'm excited to see that. Just like I'm excited to see Dakota Kai with Raquel Gonzalez as the bodyguard, a la a Shawn Michaels and Diesel, Shawn Michaels and Psycho Sid, an MJF and Wardlow, or even a Triple H China. We've seen it done in the men's division, but not in the women's division. And now it just seems fun. It. It's opening up new pathways for more storytelling that you can tell because the women's division is getting stronger in WWE.
2: Oh, the I if I haven't seen it, it's new to me kind of logic. We've seen the same stories done over and over and over again for years, yes, but have we seen them done by women? And mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it's well as 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 a woman, it's nice to see women's wrestling be on par with men's wrestling. I don't miss bra and panties matches i don't miss bikini contests i don't miss the diva search i don't miss the diva's title i don't miss the fat jokes i don't miss the piggy james jokes Mm. i don't miss the molly go round being a, a rib at molly holly having a big butt i don't miss the fat phobia i don't miss the sexism i don't miss the women are only valuable naked i'll take retelling men's division storylines all the fucking live long day over that garbage women's Mm. wrestling is serious now and it feels good and that's what this match was to me it was serious women's wrestling yeah. and it ended with two very serious very scary i don't want to be across from them ever in a showdown I'll forfeit. I, I'll just walk away. I'll cry. I'll do whatever I have to do to get them to not punch me in the face. It's, it's incredible. And I love every second of it. I do. I really do. I'll watch these two bodyguards beat the shit out of each other forever over one bra and panties match. It, I don't miss what women's wrestling used to be.
2: With that said, I patiently shot. await women's division Kane or women's division Mankind or women's division mm-hmm. the fiend. I mean, uh, Abaddon. Abaddon is already there.
3: I mean, NXT already has the, their women's division Kane because as they keep calling Tegan Knox, she is Lady Kane because Kane is her favorite wrestler. and She does a choke slam. I guess <laughs>
2: it's kind of like the same thing. They like the Undertaker and like the Chokeslam sometimes. It's kind of like the Black black Undertaker. That's my moniker now. That's how that works. Thanks.
1: So not to start this conversation too deep in the weeds, but I'm curious on Ace's end because we've certainly heard Susie's point at AEW in their women's division. Ace, do you have any opinions of AEW's women's division, especially after we just watched this match?
3: I think that with certain members of AEW's women's division – it stacks up really nicely against wwe's aew is just lacking depth in their women's division in my opinion and also i do not care for brandy rhodes she kills everything (laughs) that she is a part of that i see i tried watching the episode of aew dark that came out this afternoon and it caught to her promo and i was and she started her promo talking about how the women's tag team tournament she specifically put it on as something that she should win and that was i was like okay i'll come back and watch dark later when i can skip this promo
0: i that's yeah that's about how i feel about brandy rhodes and her instagram is no better her instagram is full of bullshit garbage and (sighs) and i have and i have i have uh, some thoughts on the AEW Women's Division, and I'm saving them for when we review uh, all out the AEW AEW's version of WrestleMania
2: or Bound for Glory.
0: It, that's more what it's akin to is Bound for Glory.
3: I think I think my biggest problem with Brandy Rhodes on TV is she is trying to be Stephanie McMahon without okay. th- without the backing that Stephanie McMahon has without the whole we've seen Stephanie since she was, like, 18 on screen and seen her character Yeah she is now.
0: Stephanie McMahon is also scary. Like, Stephanie McMahon scares me. We were watching Total Divas, and there was an episode where Eva Marie lied about being a trained dancer, and Stephanie McMahon pretty much, like, made her feel bad for being a lie.
3: All right, she, yeah. she has just that type of face and presence that you're just like, I, I haven't done anything wrong, but if you say I have, then I will believe you.
0: Yeah! <laughs> yeah. Brandy Rhodes does not have that. She's short, cute, she's got, like, chubby little cheeks, she looks like she's got, like, fruit snacks stored in there for, like, a, like flavor purposes or something. I don't buy her as a threat. She just looks like this short, adorable, little, loud thing that you just want to, like, punch in the face and make me quiet.
2: And truth be told, if it was a, her and Cody versus Triple H and Stephanie, I know who I'm backing. I mean, Steph's here like, bitch, please, and pedigree.
0: Yeah, that's exactly how that would end. Speaking of endings, we have <laughs> Carrie and Cross ending Keith Lee's embarrassingly short title reign as the NXT <clears throat> champion. And I have some thoughts on that I that what the fuck just why what purpose did that serve you build Keith Lee up as this threat as this scary monster who just wants everybody to have the same opportunities he did he hands over the North American title and then loses the NXT men's title and it just every moment every ounce of momentum he had just just gone that was one of the shortest NXT title reigns in the history of NXT.
3: It was the shortest title reign until K- until the next Wednesday when Karrion Cross was hurt.
2: Bro.
0: and that—that's just <laughs> icing on the. Oh wow! You fucked up WWE, Kate.
2: Oh
3: my soul!
0: I he deserved it. He didn't deserve that title.
3: But both of them, I, my I, boys. I, I think but him losing that ti- him losing that title was just so he could come up to the main roster. That's the only reason he lost that title. If he if he had not made his debut three days later, he would still be champion right now.
0: I don't know that him debuting after such a short title reign is the move, though. It was not the move. It,
3: I don't think it, it was, was either. But
0: that was not the move. Why not let him be? A strong, commanding presence at the top of NXT. Make him the man to beat. You talk about Finn Balor bring, being the prince of NXT all the fucking live long day. He's He, he should have fought Keith Lee for that title. You want, you want to be the prince? Come fight the king. We'll instead, instead, they give it to the most uninteresting, simple white man who's only main talking point is his girlfriend who's the most interesting thing about him not not anything else not the way he wrestles not his ability to tell stories not even his finisher his finisher is simple he is simple he is uninteresting him taking the title away from Keith Lee after such a short reign was bullshit
2: it was which is exactly why they need to find a better way to move characters to the main roster you can't just have them stripped of the title and then brought up. Then they're still the champion that lost the goddamn title. That's I, it. You're the guy that lost.
3: I think so. that I think that's the the detriment of ha- of treating NXT as a third brand that is equal to Raw and SmackDown is that once you hit is that once you want to move someone from NXT, you can't just have them silently be NXT champion, show up on Raw for two months and then come back to a, to a taping for NXT. They brag about how they've been on the main roster, and then you let your top, new top face pin them for the championship. Like that's what used to happen. Like that's how that's how Seth Rollins lost the NXT championship. It was he came, was called up as NXT champion, came back down, came back to NXT, bragged that he had been on the main roster, and Big E came in and just steamrolled him real quick. Back-
0: that's, that's the best. My bad, though. That's the best description. For that match, Biggie came in and steamrolled him real quick because that's exactly how that match went. Biggie went, uh, "Hey, fuck you! Give me that title now!"
3: Back period. when Biggie was doing that, I was that five-count gimmick of I'm not just gonna pin you for three seconds. I'ma pin you for five because I'm that much better than you.
0: I, I miss that. I, I would love to see him bring that back. Especially as
2: a heel gimmick.
0: Yeah. I, if they make the New Day a bunch of heels, I'll be here for it. Joey, what are your thoughts on this match and, and the current state of the NXT championship itself?
1: So, first, Finn Balor should win tonight. That would be my overall pick between him, Ciampa, Gargano, and Adam Cole just because I think Finn Balor is, at least has been on the main stage the longest. I think he gives you the most credibility. Back to the match itself, I almost agree with everything that you three have all said. Uh, it is obvious Keith Lee did lose it because he's called it to the main roster because, Jesus, look at the guy. I mean, he's been a star since, if not at least at the Royal Rumble, even before, to just the bask in his glory getting over in front of the NXT crowd. The guy looked like a champion in every single way. I wish his promos were a little better. I wish he'd get a little more serious and a little more intimidating. But he doesn't need to be that way because he already knows he's a big guy. The problem also with the storytelling of this match, one, you could have kept Keith Lee as the champion, bringing him onto the main roster. One, you're filming in the same city. So it's not like there's travel In the and all of a sudden Keith Lee needs to travel on Monday, then he needs to travel on Wednesday, then he needs to travel on Friday. He doesn't need to. He's going to be in Orlando. Now he might have to wrestle more than one night a week, which I don't know if that becomes a problem or not. But Kevin Owens did it. Kevin Owens came to the main show and had his feud with John Cena when he was NXT champion. All it did was... Help put NXT on notice in front of the Monday Night Raw crowd or the SmackDown crowd because they can see, oh, who's this guy? Oh, he's holding that cool belt. I wonder what channel they're on. So it makes you want to watch. The other thing that I didn't love about this is with Keith Lee leaving and not to be seen on NXT again, it kind of also shits on Dominic Dijakovic because you were supposed to be, oh, I couldn't help my friend. I couldn't get my friend, I couldn't save him from carrying cross. Well, now Karrion Cross is hurt, so that feud we're not going to see come to a head anytime soon. And now Keith Lee just lost, so he couldn't avenge his friend. And also, at the end of it, he's like, okay, bye, friend. See you later. I'm going to head to this show. I hope things are better with you. I'm going to leave you by yourself. I don't think it did Dijakovic any favors. And Dijakovic has talent. He's a big dude who can wrestle. I mean, just watch the Keith Lee-Dijakovic matches. They're awesome. Right, They're so
0: good. Do- Dominic Dijakovic is so Good and I agree it, it, why isn't he in any of these title matches you know why isn't he in the North American title you know there's a the, you know the theory that he's in the the, the Antifa little shit group but I feel <laughs> oh, like oh you
2: mean like that revolution or whatever oh, on SmackDown I retribution? Yeah.
1: retribution I mean they're getting some momentum going so I'm I'm fine if that is the case
2: Okay, because well, I, I truly believe that there needs to be a better way to bring people to the main roster. You could have them just vacate titles if you have to and just kind of gracefully go, hey, I've been called up to Raw, have the crowd share, yeah, he's going up to the main roster. And then have them say, hey, now there's going to be a ladder match for this belt. Ooh, ooh, now there's a tournament. Hype it up. There's no reason you need your champion to lose and then lose all that
3: momentum and insert on a new show it's from fucking earth. scratch and they
0: and they've been doing this for years. Sorry Ace, go ahead.
3: I'll say the old, the the reason I don't think in this situation that hurts Keith Lee is because they immediately gave him back all of his momentum with uh, at payback.
0: Yeah, oh, beating Randy Orton. Yeah, yeah beating, that's-
3: beating Randy Orton clean with one spirit bomb. Then the camera shot
1: of him standing over Randy Orton while Randy Orton is still wincing in pain on the ground. Yeah. That was the key shot of the night. That was, it wasn't even as much the finisher. It was the fact that you're standing tall over this opponent who probably should be the world heavyweight champion.
3: And like, the er edge er earlier (laughs) in the night at Payback, they established in in an interview between Keith Lee and JBL that. That Randy Orton is a 13 time champion. There will be no shame. There's no shame in the fact that Keith Lee was more than likely going to lose that match going into it in most people's eyes, than to just have him smack the, smack Randy Orton around for a bit and with then one powerbomb. <laughs>
2: <laughs> a bear. He is the new Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens walked in and did the same damn thing to John Cena and took the took Raw by storm for the next year. Now I hope his fate isn't the same. I hope he reaches superstardom, like, say, under Rock's levels. But, you know, yeah, essentially the same thing. Just, here you are. Here's a big star. Beat him up. He's more
1: intimidating than Kevin Owens. He's got more presence than Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens was a better promo. That's the only fault if, if there is one in Keith Lee's game. I think his promos can be better. It doesn't mean he can't talk. He can certainly talk. The man is very well-spoken. I just, I just want him to be more bad
3: more intimidating he, he doesn't at least seem, <laughs> he doesn't seem good at putting aggression into his voice mm-hmm. like he never doesn't sound he's never seems good at being angry when he speaks
0: i think he's going for the speak softly carry a big stick idea and the big stick is his fist so he he doesn't ha- he doesn't have to be loud he doesn't have to be scary he is a big solid immovable object he is the unstoppable force and the immovable object he doesn't have to be me he doesn't have to do anything he just has to fucking stand there
3: i think he he will he would do well with a very similar promo style to what samoa joe would do like samoa joe would be very calm very collected while describing how he was going to beat somebody yeah i would agree i would agree with you wholeheartedly ace all right even, I mean,
1: I agree with Susie as he doesn't need to speak. I mean, he, you'd look at him and you're like, oh my, this guy <laughs> can beat me. Up. But I, I agree with, hey, there's promos there's you think of when you, you hear guys about talk softly and I'll let my fist do the talking, but they still exude aggression when they're talking softly. Jake the Snake Roberts back in the day in the early 90s would still be aggressive and still come off intimidating, but he, would, he wouldn't he would yell. Randy Orton does that very, very well, and Samoa yeah. Joe is a great example as well.
3: I, I will say I know there's a lot, of pe- a lot of buzz online about people not liking his new theme, people not liking his new gear. When, Ke- when Keith Lee debuted, the biggest problem I had with his debut was he shaved his beard, Yeah, and I think that does him no favors. I don't think he ha- He does not have a good chin to not have a beard.
0: I I'm not a fan of like facial hair as an aesthetic. Like I'm not crazy about it. However, I agree. I I think him shaving is terrible. I also hate the spanks. I I I love shirtless in his drawers here to whoop that ass, Keith Lee. I hate that they put him in spanks. No, let him be big. Let him be imposing. Let him be fucking thick boy, just fucking out and about with it. And let him squash you. Like, it, this, the spanks are unnecessary. They put Kevin Owens in spanks. They mm. put pretty much anybody, they put Nia Jax in Spanx. It's dehumanizing. It's uncomfortable. It's ill-fitting. It's bad for your back it's a it's a bad look it's <laughs> it, it's that fat phobic you have to be in shape to be a professional wrestler and that's stupid that's you, you don't have to be fucking cut like triple h or dominic dijakovic no you can be big you can be thick boy and still whoop that ass
2: so you're saying is keith B should come out of a belt of some sort <laughs> and so he just catchphrase to whoop that ass, and then it's entrance music. <laughs> hey, when he Stone said, T.
1: Austin said it,
2: yeah." Steve
1: hey. Austin said, "Open up a canvas, just a new way of saying it. I like it.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah, I'd be down with that. Rand Jordan, I'm gonna whoop that ass. Wait, that's just Mark Mark Henry. That's Mark Henry. <laughs> just make You he can Henry. even say it
1: properly like he does, even with his little smile that he gives. Like, hey. I'm going to whoop that ass. And I was, think that was
0: good. Well, I that was he, one of his pre-title match promos. He told Karrion Cross, he said, you name the time and the place and I will show up and whoop that ass. And then he smirks that whole one corner smile where he looks fucking evil. Yeah, no, <laughs> whoop that ass indeed. Fucking lose the Spanx. I hey, hate it.
2: I love Keith Lee, <laughs> but remember that time and Cross tried to make him read and the book exploded in his face? That's what happens when you read books, and that's why a lot of people hate to read.
0: I hate Karen Cross. I hate everything about this his gimmick. You got
2: with the power of reading. Reading is fundamental.
1: Do you feel at least a little bad for him, Susie? I mean, he just won the title and now he's out for an indefinite amount of time.
0: I I do feel bad for him. I do. It's that that's a shitty, that's a shitty feeling. I hate what happened to Keith Lee. And I hate what happened to Karrion Cross because yes, now he is the champion, and then to, to win it and then have to like g- to give it away after winning it, not because you've got another title like Keith Lee did. He's doing the same thing Keith Lee did, but he didn't have two titles to give one away. He had one title and had to give it away because he was hurt. Like that, that's a shitty feeling. Like I, I don't wish that feeling on anybody except maybe Velveteen Dream. But I that that's not that's not a good feeling and it, and it's not a good look, and I know it's not about like look when it's real and he's hurt, but it's still a bad look. it makes him look like a weak champion because he got injured as soon as he got it. It's exactly what happened to Finn Balor with the first universal title. he loses it and the next Monday night on Raw because Seth Rollins threw him mm-hmm. into the barricade on purpose, he had to hand over the fucking title that that only hurts your champion, and that sucks. Mm-hmm. That sucked.
2: Well, I also heard D- Dominic Dijakovic in this place, who was supposed to be the victim in all of this and the person avenged in this big feud that kind of went nowhere because not only did they take their star to the main roster, but their main villain is gone. So we beat up Dijakovic for no reason and made him a crazy week. But so that was a good move on their part. This feud is something that should not have ended to begin with. It should have kept going for the better part of two, three months, maybe even half a year and then bring Lee to the main roster. You can't bring Keith Lee up against him like Karrion Cross for a month and then just go, all right, I guess he lost. It's over. That's the end of his story. That's the end of his reign. That's the end of Keith Lee's time in NXT. That's kind of bullshit. And they better make his time worthwhile on the main roster or else it'll be all for naught. I agree. So, so do want- we want to see,
1: going back to Keith Lee's debut, do we want to see Keith Lee against now... The fiend Bray Wyatt, or better yet, the new champion, Roman Reigns.
3: No, because I want to see him against Drew McIntyre.
0: That's Mm -hmm. it. That's the move. Put put him up against the man that Randy Orton couldn't beat. He just he made fucking he made Randy Orton look weak and soft and tiny. And that's not easy to do because Randy Orton is big and scary and dangerous. And Keith Lee made him look tiny. Put him against Drew McIntyre.
2: But first, I say put him up against Bobby Lashley. I want MVP to try to recruit Keith Lee into his little faction, the Hurt Business. Of course, it happens to be a a faction that I chose. Wait, wait. Look at that. Uh, But (laughs) I say run Keith Lee for a gauntlet, starting with Shelton Benjamin. And then suddenly he has to fight Bobby Lashley. And then he has to fight MVP, the king at the end of it all. And if he could beat all three... He wins the United States championship, and, and he climbs up that way.
1: But then he becomes, then he fights for the title, but you have to beat him for the U.S. title. That's the problem with holding two belts, or at least going for two belts.
2: You can just do it again. Do it the fuck again on the main roster, and just hold the main title and the United States title. And fucking have the same celebrations confetti and everything. I did it twice. I did it fucking twice.
3: And then <laughs> knob <knobbing laughs> into the camera. And then the next week, he can defend both of them against Dijakovic, and then he can give the United States title up.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We'll pretend we didn't see it already. Fine, I'm cool with that.
1: The only thing I don't... I didn't love him coming up like, well, that's my friend Drew McIntyre. Well, how come you didn't rush out to help him? I wish he was a little more animated in those promos when the thing with Orton first came out, if you are supposed to be the friend of Drew McIntyre while Orton is punting him in the head, but that's, I mean, that's more WWE creative than on Keith Lee. So that's Over an acquaintance. It. Yeah, that's a detail grave. Exactly. I, it, it feels more of an acquaintance. Don't come like, oh, that's my best friend, Drew McIntyre. Like, that's not true. <laughs> I thought
0: your best friend was Dominic Dijakovic.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you both wrestled and evolved.
3: But come on,
2: like, if I was clocked in, I'd help you. But I was clocked out already. I can't, I can't come back in when I'm off the clock, man. You know that. I'm sorry
3: labor laws, you know how they are. Labor laws, bro. <laughs> Got to right. eat. Just try trying to get the. I'm trying to get that raise at the end of with my assessment at the end of the year.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. I thought this was, was gonna take over. I thought this was a decent enough takeover. I I still miss the audience a bit. I I feel like there's somehow even less people here in this COVID audience. I think putting it back in the performance center will feel nice because putting it in that big ass fucking. Full Sail University, and have them just like, oh, hey, well, hey, it's Shotzi Blackheart, and maybe what, Titus O'Neil on the other side?
0: Uh, it was, so Shotzi Blackheart was doing her thing, you know, headbanging to everybody's music, hyping everybody up.
2: Being cool as fuck.
0: You had Bailey and Sasha Banks in the audience. And Cesaro, then for no Cesaro for reason. Cesaro, because they have no idea what to do with him, despite him being fucking fantastic.
3: I think he's half of the SmackDown Tag Team Champions with Shinsuke right now.
0: Is that what he's doing here? Yeah, I remember?
3: Yeah,
0: he's in, he, Oh, so he's in another tag team because they don't know what to do with him as an individual.
2: Yeah, that's what they do with tag teams. They just kind of produce together. Like I don't know where I'm going to. So you. if
0: he's in a tag, why isn't he just with Sheamus? Then because the bar was fucking fantastic.
2: Because Sheamus is doing better than him, and that's kind of what we need to read between the Sheamus lines. Here.
0: Is, she,
2: Sheamus what, is doing great.
0: What was Sheamus doing? He was in a in a drug testing match. With Jeff Hardy, like two months ago, and th- now
2: on. he's
3: now he's Big E's first singles feud.
2: Vince McMahon walked up to Sheamus and said, "If you take a jar of piss to the face, I will double your fucking paycheck right now." And he did it, <laughs> and now he's doing better. Ooh, speaking of jar of piss to the face, what <laughs> do you
0: think of Roman Reigns? I am fuck Roman Reigns.
2: I uh, I feel like he's he looks the best he's ever looked in his life. And I kind of think he deserves everything he has coming because he had no choice but to leave at the beginning of this pandemic. He was in a terrible fucking position. I don't blame him for leaving. He did not deserve to lose all of that momentum. So, yeah, fucking hand it to him. Here you go. Right back where we left off. Cool beans. I'm sorry for you other guys. I'm sure we'll have a nice triple threat match, but Roman Reigns deserves to be here.
3: I mean, and, and supposedly this Roman heel turn is supposed to pave the way for The Fiend to be SmackDown's top babyface.
2: Oh, that's... uh, Put that on a happy meal. Oh, boy.
0: Roman Reigns Reigns has been taking lessons from the Usos on how to be a son of a bitch. And it shows. It shows in his haircut. It shows in his cutness. That dude is fucking ripped. He has a quarantine body. It's like a prison body, but it's one you get in quarantine because you can't fucking go anywhere.
3: Because quarantine might as well be prison.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, when was the last time any of us fucking went out anywhere and did anything? Who the fuck knows? Roman Reigns fixed his teeth. It looks weird on him because his teeth were fine to begin with, mm. but he fixed his teeth. He got a new haircut. He got new facial hair. He picked up Paul Heyman along the way, which only helps him. And he... Looks fantastic. I don't like the way he came in and kind of made The Fiend and Braun Strowman both look puny and tiny. I don't think that's fair. I think Mm. him losing in a triple threat match shows, hey, you can't beat one of them one-on-one. But you can let them beat each other and then you pick up the pieces. That was a good move to at least minimize the damage and bring him back and removing the title from The Fiend which I hated. I would have loved to have seen him have a way longer reign as the Universal Champion, as this big, scary monster person. I would have loved that. Mm. And I'm a little sad I don't... We didn't get it, and I still hope we do get it. Go ahead, Joey. What what do you got?
1: So, I'm gonna take you all a bit into my philosophy for argument, my argument style. I try to be... As open minded as I possibly can in any argument. The idea that you want to know your opponent's argument better than you know your own. So eventually you can punch, counter punch, punch, counter punch, and then they don't have a counter for what you're going to ask or say. And so I also try to avoid cognitive dissonance, which is where, you know, if you, if you believe something so firmly despite the evidence in front of you, so you double down on the wrong answer just be, for the sake that you want to be right so badly. So I was watching this Roman Reigns match, ironically, while I was editing our last episode, the part where I'm arguing with Andy about Roman Reigns. So I was watching this match, and there's a voice in the back of my head for this argument style. And let's call this voice in the back of my head Drew Gross. So I was watching the match, and then, sure enough, like Ace said, Bray Wyatt, or The Fiend, and Braun Strowman are actually doing a heck of a good job for the two of them, better than their SummerSlam match. And Roman shows up seemingly at the end and pretty much spears everybody, quote, unquote, wrecks everything and leaves. So there's Drew Gross in the back of my head, point one, and says, well, gee, Roman was in the match for two minutes and just beat everybody up and made them look foolish. To which I replied, shut up, Drew Gross. The Fiend didn't even eat the pin. It was Braun Strowman. To pull the curtain, The Fiend, I am a huge fan. He is my number one pick in our draft episode. Point two, Drew Gross, says, well, you know, if Roman is coming out like this, he establishes the most credible heel spot, and he takes that away from The Fiend. To which I replied, again, in the back of my head, shut up, Drew Gross. (laughs)
3: We
1: don't know where this story is going to go maybe the fiend will eventually be a baby face. Point three, Drew Gross, in the back of my head, says, okay, but given how he's being booked right now, do, would you think there would be any credible threat to Roman Reigns' title run for how strong they are making him look? To which I replied, shut the fuck up, Drew Gross! And was angry for the rest of the night.
0: I hate that they just kind of handed roman reigns everything on a fucking platter after and i i understand him walking away from professional wrestling because of his you know his history with leukemia i understand him not wanting any part of that i don't think he should have been punished for losing for deciding to leave in the middle of a pandemic I yeah. but I also don't think that he gets to come back after having been gone for so long when these two guys have essentially been carrying the you know the top spot title pitcher for SmackDown on their back for months, and then Roman Reigns just gets to show up and go, Surprise, bitches on back, give me my title. It's not fucking yours it's not yours yeah you should have could have would have won it at Wrestlemania but you didn't you left and I get you know you had to do what you had to do for yourself but that does not mean you get to fucking come back and pick up where you left off like you haven't been gone for months
2: that's Uh, why it works though that's exactly why it works I don't care what Tony says kayfabe is not dead if you're supposed (laughs) to hate him if you're supposed to hate him, that's the best way to do it. No, he supposedly doesn't deserve this shot, and we hated him Fuck. even before. We hated the Roman Empire before, and we're we're already booing this guy. If we brought him back as a face, we cheer him because, yeah, he's battling cancer and leukemia. Good for him. But to bring him right back to those boos immediately with this move? Fuck yes. And that's how you make Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, faces overnight. Over fucking night, just give the belt to Roman Reigns. The next best move they could have done, give it to John
3: Cena. In say- case
0: you had some thoughts,
3: yeah, I I had a problem with him saying that it was his title when I when he first came back. Until I was looking back through like some t- like the, his title histories because I was bored one day. That match at Payback was the first time to- was now the first time that Roman Reigns has had a Universal Title shot since he gave it up when when his leukemia came back. So that's why he's saying that title is his because he, he had to give it up because of his leukemia, and he has not had a shot to get it back yet.
2: Yes, you but, see him punk that sucker. He just came back and just picked up where he left off. So. He hit unpause and now he's back, <laughs> but evil.
0: But I don't think it works with somebody as disliked by the fans as Roman Reigns. Uh, if they had put Paul Heyman with him in his coming back, that would have been cool because if Paul Heyman came out and said, "Oh, well, here's somebody that's gonna kick your fucking ass," and then mm. Roman Reigns came out, you establish that he's a threat because he's with Paul Heyman. You also set up for everybody to not be surprised when Brock Les- Lesnar disappears into the ether, which again, he fucking comes back and does whatever he wants and just gets to bring his MMA fans, and then he leaves, and then they go with him. So here's another person doing the exact same fucking thing. Again, fantastic. Thank you so much, Brock Lesnar. You shit.
2: I think you didn't see it coming, and now you're upset.
0: I did see it coming, and I'm still fucking pissed.
1: I think Brock Lesnar right. just holding the WWE hostage for more money. He's done it for, what, the past six years? So, I mean... If he does, great. If it works out for him, no. I mean, he, he just wants to be a farm boy. And aren't you excited for Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar 3 at WrestleMania?
3: I'm, I'm excited for the eventual custody of Paul Heyman ladder match at, at SummerSlam between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. Because as WWE has established, all custody battles must be settled in ladder matches. Uh, uh, just put Paul Heyman in the cage over the ring.
0: Oh, the shark cage match. Does anybody remember when they did that to Enzo Amore, and he had to <sighs> baby oil himself out of the cage?
3: How can I forget when that? that how can I forget when that image has been seared was seared into my brain, and and somehow and will haunt my dreams at night when I can't sleep.
2: Because now Paul Heyman's putting on the baby oil. Uh, You're welcome, Ace. You're welcome, everyone. Merry Christmas from us here at Fantasy Bookers.
0: So I. I think we should close out the show with the best thing in wrestling this week. Ace, I'd love to hear what the best thing in wrestling for you was cuz I feel like you're more broad spectrum with what you watch. Uh, so I'd love to hear what the best wrestling re- best thing in wrestling was for you this week.
3: The best thing in wrestling this week was Tetsuya Naito winning back the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships from Evil. And then celebrating in the middle of the baseball stadium with fireworks going off. It was beautiful. <laughs>
0: that's, that's about exactly what I was expecting to come from you. Not that specifically, but that general area. So, well, congratulations. It's
2: like beating an arcade game or like a, with a Street Fighter character or something. I, congratulations, you've won.
0: I love any title celebration involving fireworks.
2: What about fighter jets?
0: Not so much. Uh,
2: helicopters. No. Yeah.
0: No, Joey. What about you? Best thing in wrestling this week?
2: Well, I'm gonna
1: follow Ace's lead, at least to start, and I'm gonna turn on New Japan when I get done with this because I love Naito. So, but the best thing in wrestling, I mean, I'll have to say from the limited stuff I've watched, I really did like Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax winning the tag titles because yeah. I think. It's- <laughs> I think it tells team. a lot of good stories. I, I think it tells a good story for Shayna and Nia to be on TV, and it and it helped propel the Sasha Bailey story along.
2: But yeah, I absolutely agree. I wanted Nia Jax to tag team with freaking Tamina for so long, but that seems to not be really happening. So, yeah, Shayna Baszler is a great runner-up. They could freaking evil Timon and Pumbaa this bitch. I'm the mean skinny one, and I'm the mean
3: big one. And
2: that's a team. That's a dynamic the pessimist
3: the pessimist <laughs> and then you just had like i i love this bailey sasha storyline cuz then on monday you just had sasha staring daggers through bailey for being for for her not having two belts anymore no <laughs>
0: belts banks which like is poor wh- person. which is awful i feel like sasha having no belts and bailey still having her title is is a disservice i feel like bailey should have Lost her title and Sasha kept hers, but
3: Sasha's getting the, a shaft again. The better story, I think, is this new heel Bailey versus eventually face Sasha for Bailey's belt. Oh, man. I she can't Turn w- the boss face again.
0: I can't wait for that.
2: Can't she handle it, is the question. Because, man, she birdie handled the transition back to heel. That There was some stumbling blocks for a bit there. I, I mean, she found her way, but it was really awkward I at think- first.
0: I think I think she could do it. I think it's just going to have to be it. She's not going to be able to lean on the my best friend stabbed me in the back gimmick because they're they already did that recently yeah. with Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai. You can't do that again. I think Sasha just turning on Bailey, I think as kind of like a fuck you, you took everything from me. Now I'm going to take everything from you kind of thing. Instead of the you betrayed me and you were my best friend that whole sad mopey thing no don't make Sasha Banks a victim make <sighs> her make her a predator
3: I I think the best story to go with would be Bailey his Bailey thinks she's better than Sasha and Sasha's just out pr- to prove that no I'm better than you
2: I think they could spit the title like have them keep. Beating the other, and then the other one uses their rematch clause to get the title back, and have it be a series ah. of that for just weeks.
3: Ah, the, on the, end the classic Sasha small, and Bailey, the classic Sasha Charlotte feud from when they were when they changed mm-hmm. shit, when they traded the Raw Women's title like every week for two months.
2: Yes, that mm-hmm. this Bailey in it. No, no <laughs> it's Bailey edition.
0: No, don't do that. I hated that when it was Sasha and Charlotte. No, that would be. But she has blue
2: hair now. different. No. My favorite thing in wrestling this week, best thing in wrestling this week was the ring collapse from Braun Strowman and The Fiend, not because of those two rocking the house so hard that the ring collapsed, but because referee Charles Robinson oversold the fuck out of it (laughs) and bounced all over the fucking ring and tossed himself over the ropes. That dude is a goddamn trooper. That is my favorite thing this week.
0: Uh, my favorite thing is also Charles Robinson related. He made a reface video of the Childish Gambino video, This Is America. And somebody pointed out that it, he was doing digital blackface. And he took it down and apologized. And somebody commented, oh, you didn't offend me. You didn't have to take it down. And he goes, well, if I offend one person, I offended one too many and he put the Black Lives Matter hashtag on it, and I'm like, "Wow, fucking Charles Robinson, mm. Little Nate, he's a real one, all Little right." Little Nate, it's he's always been one of my favorite referees, so that was really
2: Little Nature Boy.
0: That was really cool to see, and him overselling the ring collapse, that was also a thing of he's beauty. He's my
2: favorite referee, always was. Rick Rikard knighted him, and that was it for me.
0: All right, well. Thanks for joining us this week on fantasy bookers. And if you think you can book it better, book it yourself. Have a good night, everybody.
4: Hello, it's me, Tony from the future. It's been a while since I've used the Someone Screwed Up theme, and I guess it's fitting to give it to myself here, in order to be fully appraised of the health of Matt Hardy after his fall on Saturday, and to give me time to edit, we're pushing back the AEW All Out review to 916. Thank you, Fantasy Bookers WWE crew, for picking up my slack this week, because not only did they get a great episode done, Joey, once again, edited this podcast. Good job there. Our podcast artwork is by Lily Hawk Inc., who you can follow on Instagram, at Lilyhawk, Inc., and you can follow the show on Facebook and Instagram, or both, at Fantasy Bookers please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review so we can continue to grow and we will be back, I promise, with AEW All Out.